What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 27 of the Two Metal for This podcast. I'm Jason, and with me, as always, is Justin. What's up, everybody? And Bobby. Bobby motherfucking McDermott. We want to start out by thanking everyone for listening. Thank you. Appreciate you all. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on whichever platform you use to stream the show. And remember to give us a like and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Two Metal for This. Tell us what you like or don't like about the show, mm-hmm. or drop your own six list in the comment section, and we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. That said, we want to shout out Martin Daly. Hell yeah. Travis Baker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Daniel Leader. He's cool. Legend. And Beaumont Sabo. Yeah, buddy. Yep. You dudes are pretty okay in my book. <laughs> <laughs> On this episode, we're talking about our top six guest appearances and discussing our Spotlight album, Suffer in Heaven, from Chelsea Grin. But before we get into that, here's Justin with the news. The news. Avenged Sevenfold released an interesting single and music video titled Nobody and announced their new record will be titled Life is But a Dream, set for a June 2nd release. The band has said the album will be better heard as an album rather than singles, so don't judge it by this one single alone. Sounds like another concept album to me to follow the not-so-well-received concept album The Stage from 2016. They also announced two massive shows, one June 9th at the Kia Forum in L.A., which is their first time in L.A. since 2009. Another big show at Madison Square Garden in New York City on June 23rd. It's their first time in New York City since 2007. Those are huge venues for Avenged Sevenfold. So that sounds like something you say when uh, you think your single's maybe not that strong. Like, ah, don't, don't judge it by this one. Wait till you hear the whole thing. It gets better, I promise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Hopefully Shadows, uh, the Tranquilizer wore off, and the rest of the songs are better. <laughs> Former Megadeth bassist David Ellison has a new death metal side project titled Dyth. The group also features, I'll probably mess this name up, but Gro- Gulhermine Miranda, Miranda, X Entombed AD on guitar and vocals, Michael Lysigko from Decapitated on drums. I really fucked your guys' names up. Mm. It is what it is. Their first single, To Hell and Back, is now streaming, and their debut album of the same name is due out June 2nd. All right. Former Slayer drummer Dave Lombardo Mm -hmm. is going to release a solo album. Mm -hmm. He states the album will focus on drumming, but will also feature the use of bass drum, a timpani, a grand piano, mark maracas two different style gongs congas bongos and just about everything else you can beat on for drum noises Mm. the album will feature 13 tracks titled rights of percussion and it will be released may 5th from what i've heard so far it's pretty cool i like when the drummer drums (laughs) but not when the singer sings goddamn right the acacia strain will release two records on may 12th Yes, you heard that right. Two completely separate records on the same day from the same band. Mm -hmm. This is not a two-part thing. Mm -hmm. These are said to be two completely different vibes. One album will be titled Step Into the Light. It's said to be a more traditional Acacia Strain sound, uh, where the other album titled Failure Will Follow, that's kind of ironic, will be a three-track, 40-minute Sludge Doom album. Yeah, I'm excited about that. When asked why not just release one record, the band states the albums were written and recorded completely separate. They have separate sounds, and they just do not fit together and needed needed to be individual albums. I think it's good they separated them, but why not release them on different days? Why not split it up by even just a few months? Yeah, I think I think you're on to something there because you got the material. I think that one album or the other is going to be slightly overlooked. I, I think they're doing themselves a disservice. They could have waited a few months and built some some hype around it. Like, hey, we just released our, you know, this is our traditional Acacia Strain album. Now we're going to give you something different. Yeah. 
Bobby, you got any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, they said they recorded them at different times and all, but as a band, they're probably like equally excited about both albums, two sets of songs. They're on tour right now. You don't release both albums. You can't really play all the songs because fans aren't going to be aware. Whereas if you drop both, you can sneak one of them long-ass Doom songs in there and see how the fans react to it and shit, and then maybe kick out another slow, doomy album in the future. I think it's a great idea because uh, – Let's say you don't like the Acacia Strain, but you hear they're going to do a cool Doom one. You check that one out instead of their normal stuff. And then you go see the fucking tour they're on right now. Hear them play the other stuff. Get into that. Nah, that's a good idea, I think. You're a musician. You kick out these songs. You want everybody to fuck. You want to sit on it and stuff? That's terrible. Well, I, I, I mean, I definitely see your point there, especially with them being on tour. Uh, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's a business, too. And so sometimes you might have to, you know, restrain yourself a little bit. So that you can build a little bit of hype around what you worked so hard to put out. But no, I definitely get what you're saying, though. I mean, you want to be able to play those songs live. And I think that's the bigger part. Like From the business side, when I saw this article, I was excited. I'm like, they're going to do a fucking slow sludge one? Talk to my brothers. Me, I was like, hey, Acacia Strange dropping two fucking. I immediately got me. I'm not a big Acacia Strange fan. They're okay. I'm excited about the other one. So I think it was a good marketing move to get other people into that shit. Yeah. I can see that. And then if you're yep. into, you know, the, just your deathcore metalcore stuff, you don't know Doom. You hear that and you're like, oh, Doom's cool. And then you can go check out that stuff. When they're done with this tour, Fair they point. might get picked up and go on like a Doom tour because you got, what's it, three songs and it's three songs about 40 minutes. Yeah, that's a good Doom I set mean, right a, there. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Set or something. Yeah, that's, that's a valid point, man. Yeah. But valid. again, when you're on tour supporting your regular album, you can just put one of them songs in there and see if it fucking works. Because I'm I'm guessing their fans aren't gonna like it's it. It's a I'm, bit of a gamble for a band like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm having a hard time imagining it, but I definitely want to check it out mm-hmm. because to see a band go in such a different direction, mm-hmm. I think that would be pretty cool. I like I think so, it's a good idea. Yeah. I think, I think you may have swayed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Same. Here's the thing. If you're talking about it, it's working. So fucking A. Here we are. Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen was attacked from behind outside a hotel in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, after a show recently. According to the report, a 19-year-old man uh, is accused of assaulting Allen while he was smoking a cigarette outside the hotel. Seems to be completely unprovoked, and a woman tried to interfere and assist, but she was also attacked, beaten up, and dragged by her hair. Oh, man. Uh, The 19-year-old fled the scene and then got in a parking garage, allegedly, uh, did some damage to some cars, and was later arrested. He's being charged with the abuse of an elderly and disabled adult. Right. Alan suffered a head injury, but there's no statement from the band or any further updates on his condition. So hopefully he's all right. The fuck you doing going around punching one on dude smoking a sick? Rick Allen's, I don't know. Like if you guys don't know Def Leppard, he's like 58, 59 years old. something like that. And he's only got one arm and you attacked him from behind. And his one hand had a cigarette in it. I'm guessing his other hand had a cigarette in it. Yeah, I mean, the fuck? Yeah. And no apparent motive because he didn't steal anything or anything, right? He's just no. like a just standing outside his hotel. But a like it's all legend, obviously. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he heard pour some sugar on me one too many nope. times. I don't know. Or he was f f f fooling. Six feet under are wrapping up their new album. It's the follow-up to 2020's Nightmare of the Decomposed, which is a cool name. That is pretty cool. Uh, which was the band's first album with guitarist Jack Owen, who also played uh, together with Six Feet Under vocalist Chris Barnes and Cannibal Corpse from mm-hmm. 1988 to 1995 before Barnes was replaced by Corpse Grinder. Owen stayed with Cannibal Corpse until 2004 before he decided to join Deicide from um, uh, 06 to 13. Anyway, new Six Feet Under on the way, Barnes says. It's incredibly fucking heavy. We've heard that a lot, but, you know, we'll see. He's a big fan of his own stuff. Uh, That's what I mean. Yeah, we got to hear it first. Yeah. He's his own definitely biggest fan. I wouldn't say my stuff sucked. No, but he tends to do another extreme. He says everyone else sucks and I'm the best. Like there was a recent interview where they're like, what's the best uh, death metal songs or bands? And he picked his own. I was like, hell yeah, dude. Why wouldn't you? Hey, louder than life. 2023 will take place September 21st through the 24th at Highland Festival Grounds in Kentucky, headlined by Foo Fighters, Tool, Avenged Sevenfold, and Green Day. It also features Weezer, Rancid, Godsmack, Limp Biscuit, Pantera, Falling in Reverse, Queens of the Stone Age, Turnstile 311, Megadeth, Corey Taylor, 
Bad Omens, Wage War, Avatar Kitty, Miss May I, Parkway Drive, Asking Alexandria, The Returning Death Clock. It's a big one there. Suicide Silence, Sleep Token, Run the Jewels, and many more. That's Louder Than Life, September 21st through the 24th in Kentucky. Another Danny Wimmer Festival, Aftershock 2023, will take place October 5th through the 8th in Sacramento, California. The four-day event is headlined by Avenged Sevenfold, Tool, Corn, and Guns N' Roses. It also features Incubus, Turnstile, Godsmack, Limp Biscuit, Pantera, 311, Queens of the Stone Age, Rancid, I Prevail, Corey Taylor, Parkway Drive, uh, Second Death Clock Return Date, Avatar, Sleep Token, Megadeth, Bad Omens, Memphis May Fire, The Cult, and many, many more. You're obviously seeing overlap here because they're two Danny Wimmer concerts that are pretty close together. Most of the same bands are on these festivals. I think they're great overall lineups. Uh, it is interesting, though, some of the headliners, uh, like Turnstile, for example, is being listed as a main headliner on these dates, direct support, uh, top-tier band for both festivals. You guys got any thoughts on that? Granted's another one that's way up there on the bill for these. Hmm. Yeah, so... I know Justin and I actually talked a little bit about this off the mic, but uh, I think what we're seeing is a little bit of a difference in regions, even within the U.S. And I think a band like Turnstile and Rancid plays a little better on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. You know, they got that kind of party vibe, and mm -hmm. I think it fits in with, you know, just the scene out there. Pretty freaking cool to see this band rise as quickly as they have. And they're not just some trash band. Like they're really talented dudes. They're doing something and it's still pretty true to their roots. They haven't made a dramatic shift in what they were doing. So I'm happy for the dudes, man. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, I remember a few months ago, you guys saying them being on uh, certain tours is uh, getting them out there and stuff. So obviously it's working and uh, mm -hmm. the name's getting out there and it's obviously getting enough following that they want to promote it some more. So like, you know, everybody's behind it. Blink 182. Yeah, they were the touring open for. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But, Something weird that it didn't make sense they were on tour with, but yeah. it was a huge band where they're going to yeah. get exposure. So obviously it's working. And like I said, the record labels or whatever is like, hey, it's working. Let's keep pimping them out. And so good for them, man. Yeah. And on that, you know, like the regional thing too, like mm. I don't feel like you would see a rancid over here on the East Coast opening or uh, headlining a festival. Mm. I, I don't think they're that tier of band. Nothing against them, mm -hmm. but it seems to work a little better. And the, the lineups over there seem to sway a little bit more to the punk rock side of mm -hmm. things versus the metal and the rock. Mm -hmm. So Aftershock is in California, but Louder Than Life's in Kentucky. In the Kentucky one, Rancid's built a little bit lower. They're not listed as a headliner. But Turnstiles is a headliner for, or you know top tier in both of them. Wow. So. Seems like the East Coast is more of a hardcore-y kind yeah. of thing. And then the West has got the punk. A little more laid yeah. back, yeah. Interesting. Also, uh, we had mentioned a uh, few weeks ago on Tales from the Tour, uh, Heart Sport Fest, Parkway Drive had mentioned that they would see us again. And here's two shows that they're both on. So maybe there's a headline tour smashed in between these here in the fall, September, October timeframe. <laughs> so yeah. stay tuned. Sublime with Rome will go on tour with Slightly Stupid, Atmosphere, and The Movement. The tour starts July 6th in Auburn, Washington. And September 2nd in West Palm Beach, Florida. I try to announce the Hope of the Spark Tour with Point North, Within Destruction, and LYLBC. Uh, their tour starts April 27th in Sacramento, California, and May 21st in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Machine Head announced another 18 shows for the Electric Happy Hour Live Tour, starting May 15th in Ventura, California, ends June 9th in Los Angeles. The Mega Monster Tour featuring Gohira, Gojira, Mastodon, and Lorna Shore sold out their Boston, Massachusetts date on August 20th. And then they added a second date in Boston on August 21st. That tour starts uh, April 18th in Portland, Oregon, ends August 16th in Toronto. So they got a long time to sell the second date out. But hey, that's good news for those bands. That's Hell a yeah. good look for the scene. I like to hear that after <laughs> the, especially the... The, the Godsmack God debacle. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that bands are selling second dates for a venue. That's awesome. Like I said, it isn't because nobody wants to see it. It's, it's, you suck. It, you know, Godsmack yeah. sucks. That's why they're not going. <laughs> People like Lorna Shore and Machine Head. They're going to go see the fucking show the next fucking Lorna, day. Lorna Shore, Mastodon, and Gojira Hira. 
<laughs> right? The, the, I'd rather see any of those bands than Godsmack. Yeah, I concur. Bullet for My Valentine will have three headline shows with From Ashes to New opening in between their festival dates in May. The three shows are May 21st in Raleigh, North Carolina, May 22nd in Baltimore, Maryland, and May 28th in Detroit. Another good opportunity from From Ashes to New to get in front of some new fans. Last week, we talked about the popular Mons tour with Falling in Reverse headlining, supported by Ice Nine Kills, also featuring Under Oath, Slaughter to Prevail, Crown the Empire, Catch Your Breath, and Spirit Box on select dates. Well, just a few days after announcing the tour, Spirit Box pulled off of their dates after receiving backlash uh, from their fans for being on a tour, mainly due to allegations against Falling in Reverse singer Ronnie Radke. It doesn't sound like any other bands will be added to the former Spirit Box dates. So those attending the shows from July 22nd to July 30th will just get Falling in Reverse, Ice Nine Kills, and Catch Your Breath. What's up, everyone? Just wanted to cut in real quick with a quick update. Shortly after we recorded this episode, Our Last Night was actually announced as the replacement for Spirit Box. So just wanted to clear that up. All right, back to the show. So Spirit Box is gone from that tour. That's a tough one. I think if you're in Spirit Box's situation, you definitely got a a little bit of a tough situation on your hands. And I think that that decision becomes a little bit more difficult when you have a prominent front woman in the band. I feel like she probably succumbed to the pressure a little bit easier than maybe if you had a male fronted band, because I feel like even if whether it's fair or not, there's a bit of an expectation for, for her to be a voice Mm -hmm. for victims. And even though I haven't seen a lot of credibility to this particular allegation yet, I feel like spirit boxes fan base probably expected this type of response Time will tell if they made the right or wrong move. But, you know, they definitely walked away from a huge tour and a huge opportunity. Who knows? They were in a tough position. And I've seen a lot of arguments both ways. I don't know what the hell I would do if I was in that situation. But I certainly understand why they made the decision. Spirit Box has got a lot of hype on them. They're on their way up. They can't make any mistakes right now. So it's probably a smart move. In a recent interview, Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park says the band will never do a tour with Chester as a hologram. Stating that this for that. He's going to use like a cardboard cutout. He states that it's creepy and he's just not into it. What are your thoughts on hologram tours? Are they cool or is that creepy tech? Um, I don't know if I can look at that i don't know if he's gonna fuck with the epilepsy <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> but i think holograms are cool it's 2023 let's fucking see some future shit i will say uh before you go jason i will say uh mike shidota said that if you use holograms in the right way for example if you're um like playing an older song and you want to put a hologram up of what somebody may have looked like in that age or that time mm-hmm. frame that's mm-hmm. kind of cool mm-hmm. he's not into it they won't do it but you know, so for you know certain examples, he said it's all right. But how do you feel about hologram tours, Jason? I think I would go see a show of like if it was like the entire band as holograms, like oh, that'd be fun. Like cool. Death Clock, yeah, or even cool. like oh, yeah, for sure. You know I mean? Like let's say you wanted to see Pantera with the original lineup, but you don't want to go watch Phil and Rex perform with two holograms, mm. yeah. so. You go to a full hologram Pantera show like from the mid 90s. I, I would get down with that easier than you actually replacing a band member with a hologram. I feel like you should uh, do something else with the holograms. Like, what, you know, if you're like a black metal band, have a bunch of holograms like zombies and you should like white focus mm-hmm. just on having a member. Like, you could do a lot of cool shit with holograms, man. Exit a band like Ghost doing some really cool shit with Giant holograms. Goat head comes out with blood fucking coming out. That'd be a cool hologram. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I would like to see holograms. But coming from a big Lincoln Park fan, I don't want to see Chester as a hologram. Nah, I just it's weird. 
Mm. But there are good uses for it, I think. I guess that falls into like the moral ground of like uh, dis- disturbing the dead, disrespectful to the dead or whatever. Like what he want, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but they want to do that. Yeah, exactly. But I could see if you're like alive and you're playing a show and like maybe you, you just kind of stand there when you're rocking out. You're like, fuck, you have a hologram of me in a silly suit doing some goofy shit. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm busy over here <laughs> trying to do the technical plan. <laughs> it's hard. I'm yeah. concentrate. You know what I'm saying? The holograms at the show. I want to see holograms. Fuck yeah. That's my vote. Cool. Lorna Shore vocalist Will Ramos released a vocal cover of Sleep Token's Chokehold, which features mostly clean vocals from Will. It is highly auto-tuned. You can find the cover on YouTube. Whether you like the cover or not, uh, it's not really what I'm talking about here. I think it's worth noting because you have to imagine this kind of vocal is eventually going to work its way into Lorna Shore as the band continues to gain in popularity. I'm not saying we're going to get a completely clean Lorna Shore, but it's hard to imagine that they won't eventually try to make more, make a more accessible sound for a larger audience. Hmm. I sent you guys that video. You got any thoughts on that? Mm, I agree that they're probably setting it up to try and promote the clean vocals. He's got the uh, magazine cover looks old Ramos and they're, blowing up Lorna Shore and everybody's trying to yeah. figure out how to fucking capture that. How can we get this to more people? Well, it's clean up the fucking vocals. Like their merch is all like white and like flashy colors. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a different vibe they're going for. And uh, the motherfuckers with the money is like, how do we profit on that? Yeah. Clean vocals and death court. That's where we're going folks. It's probably coming, but I don't need it. Mm-mm. I don't need it either. But if you don't have tickets to that pain remains tour. You might want to get them because this band could potentially change. I'm not saying they will, but you know, you put out covers like that, it makes people wonder. Hmm. Ryan McCombs rejoined Drowning Pool. McCombs fronted the band Soil from 97 through 2004 before joining Drowning Pool. He was their third singer following Dave Williams and Jason Jones. McCombs was with Drowning Pool from 05 to 11 before Jaden Marino took over. And fronted the band from 2012 to 2023. McCombs released uh, 2008's Full Circle and 2010's self-titled Drowning Pool album previously with the band. Uh, the first show with McCombs back will be March 17th in Destin, Florida. That band has had a lot of singer changes. It's he, pretty crazy. Yeah, he's technically, he's the fourth different one, but the fifth change. Yeah. So... They're dropping like bodies hitting Hmm. the floor. The Cure have announced their first U.S. tour since 2016. Joining them will be Twilight Sad. (laughs) Terrible name for a band. Anyway, the tour starts May 10th in New Orleans, Louisiana. Is that the band that the goth kids from South Park created? Is it it Twilight? (laughs) I like those guys. Per se. Tour starts May 10th in New Orleans, Louisiana, ends July 1st in Miami, Florida. The Cure are also taking a stance against ticket scalping and Ticketmaster's dynamic pricing, which, if you're not familiar with, changes the prices of the tickets based on the demand, which can sometimes blow Ticketmaster's already high prices into unreachable amounts for the average person. The Cure uh, states that they have a very wide and very... very fair price range on their tickets for this show and have worked with their ticket partners to make any tickets purchased on this tour non-transferable and will only be able to be resold for face value on ticket exchange. They also state this applies everywhere except New York, Illinois, and Colorado, where there are state laws allegedly protecting scalpers so they encourage their fans from these states to not buy tickets at an inflated price and if you buy a ticket and can't make the show for whatever reason to only sell it for resale to only resell it for face value now after the tickets went on sale fans were complaining that Ticketmaster fees were more than the face value of the ticket at which point the cures robert smith followed up with Ticketmaster, demanding a response and Ticketmaster quickly agreed to send a refund to everybody who purchased tickets. And while that's not much, I like that they're openly talking about this and trying to make the situation better. But I do have a few thoughts. 
if the ticket prices or if the tickets are non-transferable, how are they being resold on Ticket Exchange? Because that's transferring a ticket. Maybe I just don't understand how that works, but that seems to contradict itself. And two, uh, the second part about uh, New York, Illinois, and Colorado is assuming all people will do the right thing, which I don't know. In any event, we've talked about we talked about it before that something has to give with these inflated ticket prices. So at least they're trying. What do you guys think about this whole situation? Mm, the fact that they're even fucking trying is cool. I mean, it's one of those situations where you're still gonna get fucked, but the fact that you're as soon as you said the uh, the ticketmaster fucked them, and then he immediately was like, "Hey, what the hell?" And then they changed. Yeah, you only got ten bucks back, but you got him fucking ten bucks back. That's pretty cool, man. Good job there. Ten bucks times however many tickets sold is a pretty decent amount, probably. Well, I'm just saying, you, you, you know. stood up for the fucking fan. Yeah. We can't really stand up for ourselves. They don't give a shit about us. But you, as the the fucking artist, went and was like, "Nah, like fucking yeah, good job, man. I like that." Right. It's more than any other artist has done for us, right. you know, as far as pushing back on Ticketmaster. So pretty damn cool of him. So. Yeah, for sure. Fucking I got to do something, man. These ticket prices are getting crazy and there's too many shows coming up. Mm, no such thing. Bobby, you got something for the news, right? Uh, Yeah, this is for our fans who aren't Philistine buffoons and can read two or three paragraphs without getting fucking sleepy. Uh, sometime later this year, Shane Embry will be releasing an autobiography titled Life and Napalm Death. So 40 years influencing the scene should be an interesting read. I'm looking forward to that. That's awesome. All right, I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott with some new music out here I'm going to share with you. going to rate this stuff on a uh, one to six upside down pentagrams. The intention is not to crush anybody's feelings, but I ain't here to suck anybody's dick. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. If I do like it, I'll fucking tell you. All right, here we go. Judiciary. Flesh and Blood. Ten songs, 31 minutes. Crossover, hardcore, thrash metal from Texas. That means they don't have a label for this type of stuff yet. Uh, I like this shit. Vocals are hardcore. Scream style. Hints of hardcore style songs, arrangements. Uh, the riffs are super cool. Got a few solos here and there, and they're actually good. Not every song has to have a solo, I get that, but every now and then, if you know some cool stunts and got some weird effects or something, let that shit rip. Anyways, drummer is badass, few extra noises here and there, just a little added flavor, but it's all pretty straightforward metal stuff. The first song, Flesh, is a good start, but the second song, Blood, was way better. I think it's cool how they split the title track into two separate songs, pretty cool idea. Track number five, Knife in the Dirt, is badass. Has a really cool breakdown type part, but they jam it out a little bit more, which is kind of cool. The next song, Staring to the Sun, fucking brutal. This whole album is pretty fucking metal. It's like a metal lasagna of sick riffs. Every song is pretty fucking badass, and it just progressively gets better song after song. Really wanted to give this shit a sixer, but you guessed it, the goddamn vocals. So this is a brutally solid five upside down pentagrams for the new one by Judiciary. Flesh and bone. Did a singer sing? Yeah. You know, <laughs> he did. <laughs> more power, more pain. 14 songs, 46 minutes. Metalcore from Alabama. Gideon is the most metalcore band I've ever heard. I remember a few years ago, this dude was like, you ever heard of Gideon? I was like, they metalcore? He's like, yeah, you know. I was like, nope, just sounds like a metalcore band. Anyways... <laughs> Intro to this is uh, some dude talking, and what he's saying is pretty heavy, and the interview, I guess you would call it, continues throughout the album. Then song two kicks in, Locked Out of Heaven, as a weird little drum ditty thing, and then the song kicks you right in the fucking gut, so we're off to a good start. Cool riffs, bass player is super clanky, sounds terrible, what are you going to do? Vocals are the uh, hardcore scream mixed with cleans that are reminiscent of Chino Marino style, and it's pretty fucking cool. Drummer's cool. Sounds like he might have been in a drum line or marching band or whatever the fuck they call it nowadays, but he's good. Kind of a slipknot vibe. The non-hardcore parts are not doing the usual Testament stuff. This sounds more like Seven Dust style, which was kind of interesting. Too Much Is Never Enough is to stand out, but the title track, that's their one. Uh, it's got hit written all over it. If this song doesn't blow up, they need to fire their fucking manager. Go check out the new one from Gideon. More power, more pain. Five upside down pentagrams. And we got cruelty, spelled with a K, might be silent, so it could just be royalty, not sure there. Untopia, seven songs, 37 minutes. Death, doom, hardcore metal from Japan. Cry my fucking Christmas, this shit's brutal. Great riffs, mixing sludge with the thrashy death and then meaty hardcore super chuggas. Drummer ain't crazy technical, but he's solid, doing his job for sure. 
very death on the drums there. Total drunken Goat's Blood style vocals. Uh, the songs are long and epic, but it's six scoops of awesome riffs each fucking time. Burn the System is a great representation of what these fucks are offering up. So uh, check out this stuff. It could be hate manging for sure. Get some culture in you and check out what Japan's offering up. Cruelty, Untopia 5, Upside Down Pentagram. And now we're going to swing over to the Spotlight album, Chelsea Grin, Suffer in Heaven. Eight songs, 27 minutes. Deathcore from Utah. Well, it's fucking Deathcore. You know I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. I listened to this right after Judiciary. And these guys with all the noises and highly produced sound and their heavy hitters in the scene and all that shit. This one fucking impressed. But then we get to song three, Fathomless Month. That was mm. fucking cool. Good riffs. And Soul Slave has a killer industrial vibe behind all the death coriness. Yorm the Giant was my favorite mm-hmm. tune, but Sing to the Grave is the best song this band fucking has. The Path to Suffering, solid closer. Nice solo in there. Uh, so it's a slow start, but there's some cool shit in there. Like I said, not a big fan of the death core, but I think these guys are still in the conversation of who's the heavy hitters in the scene. I reviewed their album last year, Suffering Hell. Gave it a four upside down pentagrams, I believe. This is the counterpart, Suffering Heaven by Chelsea Grin. It's a four upside down pentagrams once again. What'd you guys think? So, pretty quick listen at only 27 minutes. I uh, didn't dislike the album, but I didn't find it particularly interesting. Uh, the first few songs didn't really command my attention too right. much. I uh, just didn't really care for the lack of structure, and there just weren't really any standout riffing for me. Uh, For me, it got really interesting at track number four, which was Soul Slave. Uh, This one had some decent riffing and some real song structure and kind of started to grab my attention a little bit. And then it picks up a little bit from there. Again, the songs are good, but nothing too exciting. Overall, just a pretty middle-of-the-road Deathcore album. I don't have anything bad to say about it. It just wasn't super exciting for me. Hmm. I give it a three and a half out of six. Dude, where's the riff? This is the seventh studio album from Chelsea Grin, the third with former Lorna Shore vocalist Tom Barber. The album starts off with Leave With Us, which has a cool intro and outro. The breakdown is pretty sick, and it has some pretty cool gutturals. Work March is next, track number two. Uh, The drums stand out throughout this track. Some interesting effects. And the band has, once again, a pretty badass breakdown that's known for deathcore. Uh, track three is Fathomless Law. Once again, this shows off the drums and effects. About 1.50 in, we finally get to hear some fucking guitar work uh, before the machine gun drums take over and goes back into a breakdown. Shocker. The Mind of God has some cool samples, and the drums continue to stand out above the rest of what's going on with this album. It closes with The Path of Suffering. Has a real nice solo that makes you wonder why the fuck the guitars are buried into this mix so much because the guy has some talent. Please bring them to the front a little bit. Overall, to me, this is just a paint by numbers deathcore album that doesn't suck, but doesn't do anything different or stand out from the rest. <laughs> the most impressive part of the album was the drums from a guy named Nathan Pearson who isn't even an official member of this band. He's just filling in for Pablo. Viveros, who was on hiatus. And if you don't know, there's zero original members to this band anymore. Chelsea Grin is 100% changed since the beginning. Hmm. Uh, the effects are cool. The samples and whatnot. The vocals are just average to me. Tom Barber, Will Ramos is better. Sorry, buddy. Hmm. But uh, nothing else really stands out. I enjoyed the listen. I played it through three times now. It's short. It just eight songs in 27 minutes. But I really doubt I'm going to go back after these three listens. I give it a 2.5 out of 6. And that's minute. Chelsea Grin's Suffering Heaven. Yeah, I just uh, think uh, it's slowly coming back doing the solos and stuff. There was that huge time where people don't like, like, it was disgusted. Oh, you're doing a guitar solo? Like, yeah, I know how to do fucking stunts and shit. Slowly coming back, and I think that's why they put it at the end of the song. They buried a little bit. 
Uh, and it's funny you say that the drums are the the prominent thing. I think in the whole fucking deathcore scene, it's it's a drummer style. Yeah, there's no shitty drummer in deathcore. Like you can't, you got to fucking bring the goddamn heat. Definitely. And the rest of the band can kind of suck. You just just go chigga chigga over your fucking double basses and drop some weird noises and then stupid growlings and stuff. And then you got deathcore. So drums and breakdowns, unless yeah, you're doing man. something different. Mm-hmm. But. Chelsea Chelsea the, drum, the drums always sound fucking cool, though, so I do like that yeah. part. Chelsea Grimm played it safe. Like I said, I didn't hate it, but, man, there's nothing really that interesting here. Uh, well, there was, what, eight songs, and four of them were cool, so i got to at least give you a three, and there were some pretty fucking cool riffs in the one song and then the, the nice little solos. So it was the, a four. the one song that had riffs? Yeah, like, I'll go back to that one. Um, it was about equal as their other album that like, I didn't like most. I'm not a fan of Chelsea Grimm, but they had enough songs on there it was a four like i've checked the uh, crystal casket i think was the one that i, I have on some playlists uh, mm-hmm. it's all right you know there you go it's time for the top six 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 all right everybody this week we're going to be talking about the top six songs with guest appearances yeah so i'm going to kick off this countdown kick it Number six. My number six, Whitechapel, reprogrammed to hate from 2010's A New Era of Corruption. This song features Chino Moreno from the Deftone. Who? So most of the time, if people bring Chino in, they're bringing him in for his unique singing style. However, that is not the case here. This particular song really showcases Chino's aggressive side. All screams, no clean singing. You hear that, Bobby? I hear it. All screams, no cleans. I like it. Chino holds his own here next to the vocal beast that is Phil Bozeman. Mm. Chino's providing all the highs while Phil hits the lows. Be sure to check this one out. My number six pick is Whitechapel featuring Chino Moreno. With their song Reprogram to Hate. Cool. My number six comes from Hiro the Hero. The song is FU2, featuring AJ Channer from Fire from the Gods. Hiro is a rapper from LA who's always backed by a metal band. So it's like rap metal and frequently appears on many of the metal festivals around the country. He currently has two albums, but this track is a single from 2021. AJ Chandler from Fire from the Gods. They're also a kind of rap metal, metalcore band, so it's a natural collaboration between the two. The song's a very political song, talking about manipulation from the media. Whether you're on board with the topic or not, uh, I'm sure we can all relate to the lyric. And you say fuck us? Well, fuck you too. (laughs) It's a high-energy song, angsty, has a good bounce to it. I'm sure it plays great live. I'd love to hear it. Uh, Good track to check out if you've never heard of Hyrule before. Uh, That's Hyrule the Hero with FU2 featuring AJ Channer from Fire from the Gods. What you got for number six, Bobby? I've got Mr. Flies featuring King Buzzo on guitar, Kevin Rootmanis on bass, and Hayes XXL on additional guitar. Mr. Entertainer is the song off of 2022's Cancel Culture Club. Three and a half minutes of loud rock from Chicago. A great collaboration of legends of noisemakers. I mean, you got two guys from the Melvins, and then Hayes XXL is notorious for his weird crazy guitar noise uh song starts out kind of quietly creeping along then gets into this big banging staccato riffing cool groove distorted feedback noise in the background pretty cool stuff from mr flies featuring king buzzo kevin root menace and Hayes xxl go check that out mr entertainer hmm. what's up number five my number five Comes to you from a band that we probably haven't actually talked about on the show before, which is Seven Dust, with their song Bender from 1999's album Home. This one features Chino Moreno from Deftones on the vocals. Hmm. Interesting little tidbit on this one. For some reason, Chino was credited as Pony One. No idea why that was a thing, but... I got a little chuckle out of it, and I thought it was worth mentioning. So So this song came out at the peak of New Metal's popularity, and it's definitely one of the finest songs to come out of that era. 
We haven't talked about Seven Dust much on the show, but they're really an extremely underrated band. They've been pumping out solid albums and putting on great shows for a couple of decades. And if you haven't heard this song, it's definitely a good one. It's the very last song on the album, but definitely not one that you want to overlook. Chino's not doing anything out of the ordinary here, but the combo of his shoegazy type vocals and LeJohn Witherspoon's big soulful vocals really play off of each other nicely. It's a really solid track. My number five pick is Seven Dust featuring Chino Moreno with the song Bender. <laughs> cool. Chino, two in a row. Never heard of her. This, this fucking guy. Hey, there's, uh, I don't remember who it was, but they said you never want to follow Seven Dust live. Their live show is amazing. Mm. Uh, Might have been Nickelback. All right, my number five is from Iceland Kills. It's Stabbing in the Dark, the acoustic version featuring Matt Heafy from Trivium. Stabbing in the Dark is from the 2019 album, The Silver Scream. Uh, which is kind of a concept album where each song is written about a specific horror franchise. This track is about Halloween or Michael Myers. And this particular version is from the special edition of the Silver Scream titled The Final Cut. Ice Nine Kills have actually done several acoustic songs, uh, but this one's always stood out to me. Matt comes in during the course with a more melodic vocal that just fits in perfectly. Both Matt and Spencer have done numerous guest appearances over the years. Uh, too many to name. I encourage everyone to check out uh, some of the different collabs they have. But this one uh, does definitely stand out above the rest. I actually probably prefer the acoustic version of this over the original for Stabbing in the Dark. <laughs> Jason, you're an Ice Nine fan. How do you feel about that? The acoustic versions? I mean, I love the acoustic versions of the song, but I don't prefer it over hey. the original. Fair. Uh, but I, I love that there are so many that exist because I like putting that on sometimes. It's a whole different vibe, but usually the song's completely reimagined. Yeah. Thank God It's Friday is another good one. They do acoustic. But this one, Iceland Kills, stab, uh, Stabbing in the Dark, featuring Matt Heafy from Trivium. It's my number five. Cool. All right. What I got here, uh, I've been waiting to get him on the show and talk about. Come out. Uh, all right. Uh, I hadn't really figured out how to. Now we got this topic, so this is what I got. What I got here is a long-lost band from 90s-era Florida death metal. Originally released this album back in 95 to only a thousand copies. I'm sure they didn't sell a thousand copies. They played their last show in 96 and it kind of disappeared. I remember hearing them, hearing them on a mixtape a few times, but they got lost in the shuffle. But thankfully, back in 2020, they re-released and remastered this album. Uh, this version has some extra songs on it, so it's easily available. So from the album of hell, the song as ancients evolve from Floridian death metal band, Nephobia, featuring not only the atomic clock, Gene Hoagland behind the drum kit, but there's a guitar solo by Chuck fucking Schuldner. Nephobia in no way. We're trying to break any ground. This is, you know, nineties, Florida death metal, super solid production is shit, even remastered. Uh, but the song is cool. Great sludgy grooves with big banging drums from a young Hoagland. He was brutal as fuck even back then. And of course, the vocals of one who drinks the goat's blood. Then all of a sudden, Chuck Schuldner stops in, kicks out a cool fucking shred, which is always cool. Just some good old death metals with some serious guest appearances. Maybe some of y'all missed it back in the day. So here it is now, a long lost gem of death as Ancients Evolve by Nephobia featuring Gene Hoagland and Chuck Schuldner. Check that shit out. Nice. Two for one. Number four. All right. My number four pick comes from a band that we talk about quite often on the show. Soulfly. All right. With their song Pain from 2000's Primitive. <laughs> this song features Grady Avenel from Wilhaven, mm -hmm. along with Chino Moreno from the Deftone. <laughs> nice. This is a favorite for me because the dynamic of these three vocalists is so intense and it fits the lyrical content and the aggression of this music perfectly. I even feel like the music is almost written for Grady. If you've ever listened to Wilhaven, you'll definitely see the comparisons. It's very drum driven and just kind of short little spurts. Uh, more, more heavy on the bass and drums than the guitar itself. And he kind of tailors his vocal style to that. 
Uh, Grady sounds angry as fuck on this song. And then midway through, you get Chino coming in with a totally different vibe. He's not doing any of his usual shoegaze stuff here. He's doing this weird kind of half-shouted, half-rappy vocal. Uh, it really adds an extra layer to the song. Uh, I believe the lyrics here are probably dealing with the murder of Max's stepson, Dana Wells, uh, which makes it so fitting to have such an angry team of vocalists here. Uh, if you haven't heard this one, it's definitely one to check out. My number four pick is Soulfly, featuring Chino Moreno and Grady Avenel with their song, Pain. Mm, it's a good one. Chino Moreno. Never heard of her. I've heard of Hillstorm, though. Mm. All right, my number four is from a band called Gohira or Gojira. Hey, how do you pronounce it? Put it in the comments. Uh, the song is Adoration for None, features Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. Uh, Gohira is a band we mentioned a lot in the news, but have yet to actually talk about any of their songs on the show. Uh, they're technical death metal, progressive metal, sometimes groove metal from France. If you know, you know. These guys can play circles around almost anyone and do some highly interesting shit, but it sometimes can be kind of hard to get into. Uh, if you tried before but couldn't get into them and you happen to be a fan of Lamb of God, Randy joins in here, and this would be a good start. He perfectly blends into this band, and it feels like a natural member instead of just a guest on a song. It's an absolutely brutal track from their 2008 album, The Way of All Flesh. So don't miss this one. Adoration for None from Gojira, featuring Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. Oh, yeah. So Gojira with an interesting vocalist. Cool. <laughs> Go hard. <laughs> Speaking of interesting vocalists, my number four is Dozer featuring Neil Fallon. Empire's End off of 2008's Beyond Colossal. Just under four minutes of some cool stoner rock from Sweden. The production on this album isn't the best, but the songs are cool. Good sludgy rockin' riffs, big burly bass, drums driving along. And the singer Frederick Norton is just one of the few John Garcia ripoffs that I like. And then Neil Fallon joins in at the back end of the song. Really cool collaboration. Uh, Clutch always finds cool bands to bring on tour with them. And uh, I, I bet that when they were hanging out, this was a fucking really cool thing going on. Uh, Neil Fallon's vocals go so well with stoner rock in general uh, that uh, I wish they would have done more of this stuff. But, you know, clutch just sticks to clutch style. But cool collaboration here from Dozer featuring Neil Fallon, Empire's End. Check that one. I could totally see Neil Fallon doing an entire like stoner rock album. Like, yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't done that as like a side project. Mm. It may, it makes perfect. Sense. Even his other yeah. side projects, uh, the company band and stuff, still have that same kind of clutchy delivery. But uh, yeah, man, that was cool. I, I have heard Fallon, that man. Neil Fallon's cool. I like him. I'll definitely check that one out. Two metal for this is brought to you in part by Goat's Blood. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to be the singer of a death metal band, but you have the vocal cords of a soft-ass little bitch? What you gotta do with the pros, dude, and coat your throat with the blood of a goat. GOAT'S BLOOD! Chock full of vitamin evils, guaranteed to make you sound at least 66% more demonic on your next recording. GOAT'S BLOOD! You gotta coat your throat with the blood of a goat, or you'll sound like a little bitch. Goat's blood helping death metal sound brutal for over 30 years. <laughs> number three. All right, my number three pick is Lamb of God with their song Embers from 2015's Sturm und Drang. Did I say that right, Justin? I think so. We'll go with that one. This one features Chino Moreno on Chino. vocals. <laughs> All right. This one's particularly interesting to me because Chino's presence creates such a contrast to Randy Bly's heavy all-the-time vocal style and really breaks up the album. Uh, midway through the song, Chino comes in and provides a nice reprieve from the brutality. 
Lyrically, this one is pretty interesting as well. I don't know what the actual interpretation of the song is, but it seems to me that it's dealing with the loss of a loved one, as the main chorus is Randy screaming, only embers remain. And then Chino's part is especially interesting. Uh, the highlight is where he sings the part that is, I've been staring at her lying still for so long. And then Randy screams, she's so still. She's so still. Waiting for this endless night to color into dawn. And then Randy screams, it's never ending. It's never ending. Interesting song and interesting collab that I probably would have never expected. Uh, but one of my favorite tracks that Lamb of God has put out for obvious reasons. My number three pick is Lamb of God featuring Chino Moreno with their song Embers. Chino Moreno, never heard of her. It's fucking gay. No, it's a good song. It's one that I like with Chino on it. My number three comes from a band that we don't talk about very often on this show. Lincoln Park. Lamb of God. So yeah. I was being sarcastic, but you had the wrong L band. It was pretty close, yeah. The song is Wake Up Dead, features Dave Mustaine. <laughs> that uh, is a good one. I like Death. that one. Uh, this is a single that came out early 2022. It's a perfect blend of Lamb of God and Megadeth. Maybe less of a guest appearance and more of a collab between the bands, but let's be honest, Dave is Megadeth, so I'm counting it. Three minutes and 43 seconds of killer riffs, intense drums, and Randy and Dave going back and forth on vocals. I have to think this song inspired the creative direction of the latest Megadeth album, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. That alone, it deserves to be on this list. So my number three is Lamb of God's Wake Up Dead featuring Dave Mustaine. Hell yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. All right. My number three is from Nails featuring Max Cavalera. Endless Resistance off of 2019's I Don't Want to Know You single. I don't know, you just released a single? It's weird. Three minutes, 17 seconds of brutal power violence, grindcore punk metal from California. Monstrous riffs, banging drums, demonic vocals by Todd Jones and Max Cavalera. This shit is so heavy, you might pull your back out. So go stretch out before you give it a listen. <laughs> Nails featuring Max Cavalera, Endless Resistance. Go stretch before you listen to the heavy music or you mm -hmm. might pull your back out. This ain't for little baby ears. That was very poetic, sir. Thank you. Love it. Mm -hmm. Number two. My number two comes to you from a little band called Corn with a K. So I don't know. Maybe it's Orn. <laughs> it might be Orn. Silent K. This is their song Wicked from 1996's Life is Peachy. Featuring? Featuring Chino Moreno on vocals. <laughs> Interesting. If you're not aware, this one's also a cover of an Ice Cube song. Song is perfectly suited for the weird sound effects and squeals that Corn is famous for. And this song has got a little bit of everything. Chino gets to show off his rap skills. Then we get to the chorus, and Jonathan Davis does some scat singing to the part that normally has the kind of rough reggae singing in the Ice Cube version. Overall, it's a super fun song. One of my favorites from Corn, and one of my favorite collabs of all time. It's an automatic thing. The few times that I've got to see this song live, I immediately make my way to the pit because it's just an awesome song and it's so much fun. My number two guest feature is Corn featuring Chino Moreno with their song Wicked. Nice. Never heard of her. Chino who? This fucking guy. Moreno? It's that band that you rated a two. Dan Moreno. He's busy listening to Disturbed. My number two comes from Winds of Plague. The song is Built for War, featuring Jamie Josta of Hatebreed. For those unfamiliar, Winds of Plague were formed in 2002, and they quietly laid the groundwork for the modern death core that you hear today, incorporating the big breakdowns, symphonic stuff with samples and effects, before a lot of other bands were really doing it. Uh, this track is from their third album, Against the World, released in 2011. Uh, from the first moment I heard this track, I was hooked with Jostas Park. It is the best single verse guest appearance that I've ever heard and guaranteed to get you hyped. Uh, Josta comes in for the last 40 seconds of this song and just crushes it. The lyric, swing the hammer with the force of a raging bull. 
I won't rest until the snap of your neck. Fuck with the best and die like the rest. You better know I am built for war. That's some heavy shit. I dig it. Uh, And it gets better. Uh, Go check out that banger. Winds of Plague. Built for war. With Jamie Jostin. I hate reading. Hell yeah. All right. For my number two, this is uh, another band I've been waiting to talk about. 60 Watt Shaman featuring Scott Wino Weinrich on guitar and Scott Reeder on bass of a 2002's Reason to Live. The song is All Things Come to Pass. It's a live in studio recording and it's got the super duper rock and roll ending. So it's just about nine minutes long of awesome stoner rock stuff from Maryland. Scott Reeder produced this album. And he and Wino joined in on the last song. Uh, the production on the song is not as great as the rest of the album, as this was a one-take recording. The singer is not the best ever, but hang in there, because this song gets really fucking cool. It's got a cool, friendly, freestyle duel that goes on. The left side has a guitar player and a bass player from the band, and Wino and Reader on the right. All four of these motherfuckers are trading solos like crazy. You can tell they're having a blast, and it's really fucking cool. Scott Reeder and Scott Wino are veterans, and these two other guys are young hotshots, and they're bringing their heat, and the other two guys are just like classy, like, okay, you want to do your thing, and they're showing them up a little bit, but still letting, giving them respect to show off on their album. It's a really cool fucking listen. Kind of hard to find. Probably going to have to go on the YouTubes to find this shit, but it's a cool one if you like hearing cool freestyle duels and stuff. 60-watt 60 60 shaman. Featuring Wino and Scott Reeder, all things come to pass. Nice. Number one. All right, so moving on to number one, Chino Marino featuring Chino Marino. Oh, man, the Chinos. You probably think that this song is going to feature Chino Marino as a guest star, Mm -mm. but you would be wrong. My number one pick comes to you from Deftones. <laughs> nice. With their song Passenger from 2000's White Pony. Mm-hmm. Featuring? Featuring Maynard James yeah. Keenan. Yeah. Nice. From a little-known band called Tool. That's why it's not on my list. I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, no shit. This is definitely my absolute favorite collab of all time. It puts me in such a state of bliss Every time I listen to it, everything about this song is perfect. The music isn't heavy, but it has just enough edge to still be a Deftones song. Lyrically, the song describes the love affair that one may have with their car and the feeling of taking a nice drive at night with the windows down. The chorus actually says, roll the windows down. This cool night air is curious. Let the whole world look in. Who cares who sees anything? I'm your passenger. This song is sexy as fuck. Mm. I have no doubt that many 18 to 20 year olds were conceived to this very song. (laughs) My number one pick is Deftones featuring Maynard James Keaton, their song Passenger. Oh yeah, nice. Definitely a good Deftones song. If you haven't heard it, where the fuck have you been? Go check that shit out. <laughs> All right. My number one comes from Mark Morton. The song is called Cross Off, and it features Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. <laughs> uh, in 2019, Lambagon guitarist Mark Morton put out an impressive solo album titled Anesthetic, which has guest appearances from Jacoby Shaddix of Papa Roach, Miles Kennedy of Alterbridge, Chuck Billy of Testament, Alyssa White Glitz of Arch Enemy, uh, Jake Oni from Oni, and Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. Uh, but there is one track that obviously stood out above the rest for me, and that's the opening track, Cross Off, which features Lincoln Park's Chester Bennington on vocals. Uh, everybody knows I'm a big fan of Chester, and two years after his death, we got this unexpected release. And uh, it's something that I always wanted to hear from Chester, which is what would he sound like with a metal band behind him? Not new metal, but just straight up fucking metal. And he definitely delivers here. Uh, Chester's very melodic for much of the song, but then about 2.50 in, there's a breakdown that hits and he just goes off in a variety of different screams and aggression that you don't hear from him very often. Uh, when we did the Create a Supergroup episode, I referenced this song 
If you didn't listen to it then, go check it out now. It's Cross Off from Mark Morton. It features the late Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. Oh, yeah. Nice. About time Lincoln Park gets some representation God on this show. Never fucking talk about them. About as much as Chino Marino. Man. Or Ailstorm. Well, now I feel bad about my number one pick. Or High on Fire. So my number one pick is Sepultura, featuring Jason Newstead on baritone guitar and backing vocals. Hatred Aside is the song off of 1998's Against. This is the first album to feature Derek Green on vocals, and it was not well received. Arguably the worst album in the entire Sepultura catalog. But it does have two super cool songs on it, and this is one of them. It's got a great Motorhead vibe going on. Jason Newstead playing the baritone guitar adds a gnarly sound to an already badass groove from Andreas and Igor. And the trade-off vocals between Newstead and Derek is pretty fucking cool. This song is very raw and has a unique distortion, very punk rock vibe to it. And while they all seem a bit angry, the lyrics are pretty fucking positive. Clocking in at 5 minutes and 14 seconds, this shit's fucking epic. It does the cool dropout in the middle with the cool buildup back to the sick riffing like they do on Nomad from Chaos AD and Endangered Species from the Roots album. At the time this was recorded, all of these guys were dealing with some serious band trauma, and I think they found a common angst and poured it into this song. They've never really done anything else quite like this either. It's an incredible song hidden away at the end of an album that is universally hated. I highly recommend you check this out, though. It's fucking killer. Sepultura featuring Jason Newstead. Hatred aside. So there's some cool songs for you guys to check out. Give them a listen. Be cool. Be metal. All right, everyone. That is our show for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed our discussion on the top six guest stars on songs. I enjoyed it. Don't forget to give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. at Two Metal for this. And give us some feedback on how we're doing or drop your own six list in the comments section. And we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. Mm-hmm. Make sure you tune in for the next episode. It will be our memorial episode where we pay tribute to some of our fallen heroes. Mm. We'll also be discussing our Spotlight album, the new album from August Burns Red. That's it for this week. Until next week, keep it metal and rage with respect.